Welcome to Coaches and Conversations, where we remove the veil and talk about what it's really like to be a woman building a business online. Because here, it's not just business, it's personal. I'm your host, Master Certified Life Coach and Business Strategist, Tavana Denise. Let's dive in. Oh my goodness. I have no idea where this is going to go, Laura. And I'm so freaking excited to see what happens because you and I were sending DMs back and forth and talking about the potential to get on to the podcast for a conversation. You were like, well, but only if we get to be real about it. And so let's do it. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, because you and I have been a part of the life coach industry for a while now, and we've seen some ups and downs and changes and just so many things. And so I just wanted to have you on and just talk about what we see, because you also coach um, people in their businesses. And so like, what are we seeing? What are some of the trends, the thought errors, all of the things? Because my intention with this podcast, as I told you, is just normalize some of the thoughts and some of the occurrences and to just be upfront and honest and not just paint the beautiful picture. And then I made six figures, like, and then I made a million dollars. And so like, it was like, oh, in the movies, everything happens over 30 minutes or hour and 30 minutes or whatever it is, but it really is not like that in real life. And so I think sometimes people are quitting on their dreams because they don't realize that they're seeing the snippet. They're hearing the sound bite. They're seeing the after and they don't, they don't see the middle. And so I would love to just, just chat about that and vibe or rant or whatever we need to do today about those things. So before we get into all of that, Laura, would you please tell everybody like who you are in the coaching space? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to be here. I have been looking forward to this. As you know, I'm like, when can we do this? <laughs> my name is Laura Swartzbaugh and I run Laura Scout Coaching named after my sweet, blind, 13-year-old Vishla puppy dog. And um, I am an authenticity coach for women coaches. I help them realize their real self is their most powerful, successful self. And I found this, discovered this, uncovered this from within me because that's my work. And it's been my work the whole time. And it's kind of the scariest thing for me to realize and to continue to realize, right? So it's like a practice that I do every day (laughs) and continue to do. And I am like on a mission to help other women coaches realize this and recognize that our power is in who we are, our whole self right now. And so when I saw what you were up to, I was like, I have to talk to her and we have to talk about this and we have to normalize it. Like, I just am in love with that word and that practice, because I think that we smart, ambitious women who are up to something, who are getting in good trouble. I love that, you know, John Lewis, let's get in good trouble. Let's shake this shit up and make the world a better place, which is what we do for good we bring our whole messy self to that every day and that's okay. That doesn't diminish or take away from what we're doing at all. It's in fact, what makes us magnificent. And so I feel really passionate about it as you can probably tell in part, I think because it's my work, but it's also because what I coach on every day is this. And what I see every day is this. 
And so well, I'm, I'm here for it. Because because <laughs> I you were like you're an artist authenticity coach. <laughs> and that I if I'm not mistaken, that wasn't your positioning before. Like that's not what you were calling mm-hmm. yourself before. So what was it? No. Or and in addition mm-hmm. to it being your work, like why do you think you you change that? Because I'll say this too: I, you, and I, I think, are, and really probably all of us are on a very similar journey to just like really become more of who we are, who we were when we were born, like perfect, worthy, whole, enough human beings that are capable of anything. And it's like so interesting to hear you talk about being an authenticity coach and hear Simone Soul, who was on the podcast, talk about sovereignty. And then now me talk about launching with ease, which I tend to put it like, let's put it in the lab, right? And just figure it all out. So how are you positioning yourself before? And how did you get to that place where you're like, no, authenticity? Yeah, it's so funny. I was a life coach for life coaches. That was my first niche. Before that, I was just coaching, right? I was just I'm a life coach, just started. I had been a you know professor and a history teacher for years and years. So um, started as a general coach, absolutely loved it. And then was a life coach for life coaches because I just loved general life coaching, but I wanted to do it for coaches. I used to be a teacher for teachers. So it just felt like this very natural translation, transition. I don't know which word I meant, both maybe. And so it was actually both with Stacey Bayman and then with Simone but they both said, you're like an imposter syndrome coach. They both said very similar things. And I was very um, resistant to their coaching. And I'm usually pretty open to coaching, but I didn't like the concept or word phrase imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. I liked almost the antithesis of it, which is like, and it took me almost a year to figure that out. Right. It was like, no, I'm not an imposter syndrome coach. Right. And so it's like, but Simone actually gave me some coaching that was in writing in her face. I'm, I'm in her sovereign mastermind right now. And it was in writing and writing sometimes is, is really easier for me to like figure stuff out. And so it was in the Facebook group writing. And uh, she was like, I need to know what you do right now. Like, <laughs> like the way she is, right. She's <laughs> like, I need to know what you do in right now, answer this question. And I was like, I'm an authenticity coach. Like mm. it's about your authentic self is your most powerful self. And it just came out. It was just, well, it didn't come out. I mean, it came out of my fingertips mm-hmm. <laughs> on the keyboard. Yeah. And it's so <laughs> interesting. I love that too, because the antithesis of the imposter syndrome, like the imposter syndrome is the, the thing that they can identify with as the problem, but like you're helping them, what they're aspiring to be is their most authentic self. And I found that same kind of challenge. And this is like, now we're going off into a little bit of marketing talk, but I found that same kind of challenge when I was doing burnout coaching for healthcare professionals. It's like, okay, burnout is the problem. We know we got it, but like, what now what okay I'm not burned out what's the opposite of burnout what do we want and so I started talking about thriving and then the same thing with the launching is like okay well we don't want to have launches that burn us out and be exhausted and overwhelmed and like that's very easy for me to do as a physical therapist like let me find the problem so I can fix it but like what do we want and so for me it's like that launching with ease and it feels good and it's like Mm -hmm. you I'm really slowing down on this for a second where you you were like it took a year for you to figure that out because for me it was the same thing it took several months of like what is that thing that I'm doing that they want so yeah and it's still it's my brain wants to argue with me about it all the time 
And I'm starting, it's interesting. I've just started, I used to talk about my beautiful brain and it's really interesting for me because I had this bizarro random stroke two years ago and um, great, I'm fine, wonderfully. So grateful and happy to be okay. So when I talk about my brain, my brain being okay, I'm like my beautiful brain, like I really feel tender towards it. I, I touch it, I touch my head all the time. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'm touching myself, people. And uh, but now I started talking about it as my best friend brain, like the toddler brain, the lizard brain, the primitive brain, whatever you want to call it, the lower brain. But Vicky, what in the heck is Vicky's last name? I don't know. Laugh. I know where's left. Thank you. Yeah, talks about it as your best friend, like making friends with that stupid part of our brain, right? It's like, so now I'm thinking of it as my best friend. So my best friend brain every morning wants to, you know, tell me like, this isn't it either. And it's like, you know what? It's okay, best friend. (laughs) That's so funny that you talk about that because I just was talking to Vicky earlier today and and she'll be on the podcast too. We all have these thoughts that don't go away no matter how much money you make. And I was telling her that I have just named them my friends. My friends are back. My friends are back. And it's it's like, I just like that. It just makes it not so, I don't know what the word is, like so painful. So something you have to get rid of, something to resist and throw away because I want my friends to be around. Like, I honestly still don't want those particular thoughts. But when I read, like when I think about them as a friend, it's like, okay, here you are. We all have friends that there are certain aspects of them where you're like, girl, I wish you would be on time, <laughs> but you're still my yeah. friend. And so yeah. I think that's that's how I've been able to accept them. Yeah. And so I think that's yeah. so beautiful and interesting that you talk about your best friend brain. Yeah, so we were brain. talking about some of the real topics that we wanted to talk about that we see happening amongst friends and clients and things like that. And so one of those was the trap of holding ourselves to some higher false coach standard. So Tell me about that. What did you mean when you said that? Yeah, I see this in my clients all of the time and in myself, right? Anything I see in my clients, I see in myself as well. And it's this idea that like we gather these tools and we learn these tools and they're remarkable and we love them. We fall in love with them and we become coaches because they change our lives, right? And, you know, for me, the thought model is something that completely blew my mind and changed my life. And I feel so fondly towards it. And I use it regularly because it really, truly helps me. And then we use it against ourselves. We weaponize it. We don't mean to do it. It's our best friend brain that's then using the same tools that work so well to help us recognize a way of thinking that may no longer serve us. It may be true, but we don't want to think it, right? It may be a thought that's completely has factual evidence, open up the bank account, look at the scale, whatever it is, but it still might not help us get where we would like to be going or want to be, right? Mm -hmm. But then we think that because we're a coach, we should know better. Because we've been working on this for a year, we should be fixed by now. We should know by now. It should be going faster. We shouldn't still need coaching on it, right? Who made the rule that we shouldn't need coaching on it anymore? I don't think that those standards, those shoulds, those those ways that we beat ourselves up with our wisdom and our tools and our, I don't know what another way to put it, but it, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't help us. It's interesting when I think about 
like when I say my friends are back, they come in at certain levels and then they, they're not as loud and then they come back in at different levels, then they're not as loud. And so when I think about, oh, I've been working on specifically feeling and processing emotion for over a year and a half now, ever since I went through master coach training, like that was part of my master coach project. And so one could very easily say, oh, well, that was part of your project. You're master certified now. You shouldn't have to deal with that. And I'm like, okay, well, back in the day, they probably didn't really want wash their hands a lot. And so now we know to wash our hands and we wash them all the time because they get dirty and we don't make it a big deal. And so I think it's really, like you said, not helping us, not serving us to think, oh my gosh, I washed my hands before. I should never have to wash them again. To me, the way that I think and the way that I coach, I'm like trying to find things that I already understand that I can already believe to be like, okay, that makes no sense to me. If I'm okay with washing my hands on a regular basis all the time, forever and ever, amen, then why do I think that just because I learned the skill of coaching or I learned how to process an emotion that I'm not going to ever have to do it again? Right. And I was just at a restaurant that had this like paragraph above the sink. And it was like, it takes a human about this long to read this many words. And you're supposed to, we now know you're supposed to wash your hands for 20 seconds or whatever it is. I don't remember if that's right, but I think that's right. Don't quote me. Don't use me as your CDC guideline. But anyway, right. And it was like, so far you've been washing for about, and it said like how many seconds based on the number of words. Uh It was so clever. It was like a brand new way to think about, you know, instead of saying happy birthday twice or whatever it is, again, don't quote me. But anyway, I'm not a health professional, but it was so clever. And it was like a whole new way to think about it. Like, oh, every restaurant could have this paragraph, which was so cute. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, and I was thinking to myself, this just happened because I haven't gone out to eat in three years. So my husband and I decided to go out to eat because I finally said yes. <laughs> he wore me down. And I was thinking, this is forever. I was like, I for sure haven't been washing my hands for 20 seconds, right? It's like, it's fine. Like, I still don't know how to wash my hands for 20 seconds, three years in the pandemic or however long it's been, two years, whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I just it's think- like human, human brain. Human brain. And I- And I'm saying this right now with so much love and compassion because I still need to turn love and compassion towards myself. As we learn, we turn back and help other people. And I can just see the desperation and the rushing and the impatience in some people because I had this thought error too that like I'm rushing to get there wherever there is because I think it's a magical land or place or time and space where once I get there, then I'll be happy. I'll be successful. I'll be relieved. I'll have more space. I'll have more time, like all of these things. And this is the good and the bad news is you never get there. You never, it's so funny. It's like, I keep learning that lesson, Laura, like I get there and I'm like, oh, okay. There is no there. And then it's, I don't know. It's like, I forget. I call it inconvenient amnesia. Like I forget And then I suffer and struggle. And then I realize, oh, yeah, there's no there. So then I can relax and calm down. So what's your experience been with that? A hundred percent. And it's so funny because Lori, Dr. Lori Santos, the one who teaches the happy 
class at Yale that's like the most popular class at Yale in 400 years or however long Yale's been there. And she has that happy lab podcast. She talks about why that's true. Like our brain is designed to acclimate to our new condition very quickly. So like we reach a new goal weight or whatever. And then it's like, at first it's like, we feel really skinny, but then like, you know, two weeks later it feels normal. And it's like, it's our brains designed for that. And I can't remember the reasoning right now, but it makes sense. It's like, it's supposed to be a new normal that becomes normalized so that it doesn't feel fresh and new and exciting all the time. Our brain is very good at getting used to things, right? And having it become normal so that it's not always novel because novelty is, you know, I think it's distracting. I think it's like, ooh, shiny object, shiny object, right? Like I'm the queen of that. I'm very easily excited about the new thing, right? Well, the first time, the first year I made six figures, I didn't even notice which I think is hilarious because the whole year I was like checking my bank account and wasn't there, wasn't there, wasn't there. And then I literally like thought about it and was like, Oh, I bet I crossed that line. And then I sure enough, I had like weeks earlier and had been so busy, like serving my people and doing all the things you do that I hadn't even noticed. And then the next year blew right by it. And nothing changed because guess what? You bring your brain with you. You bring your body with you. You bring your trauma with you. You bring your, your healed and unhealed parts. You bring all of the things with you right across those goals and those lines and those achievements. That's one of the reasons why I love this idea that our real self is our most powerful self, because we think that the achievements, and I think this too, I think this most days when I get to the next Thing, the 200, the 250, whatever is the next thing for me in my business, because I'm so ambitious and so thirsty, right, about it all and so excited about it all. We think for sure that's going to be the thing where it feels different and we feel like enough, right? And we feel worthy and we can like, our shoulders can drop and we can relax our jaw. I don't know about anybody else, but my jaw feels like it's been tense since March 2020. And we'll feel different. But if we can believe, you know, what Carl Lowenthal always says, which is like the journey is that your experience of the journey is what your experience of the destination is going to be. Right. It's going to be the same. I feel like it's it's a setup. Like it's like our brain just refuses to believe it. And so, again, it's a practice. Yeah. On both sides. So one thing that I see is people are hustlers in their their corporate career and then they bring that mentality over into coaching cuz of course we were burned out and whatever we were doing before and so we want to come over here and have freedom and time and money and stuff but we just took all of our beliefs and thoughts from over there and applied them to our business where now we have way more risk and we have to do all of the positions <laughs> instead of just our one and think that something's going to change and you know, as much as I hate to say it and be one of those woo-woo people, it's like, you have to change your mind first. I never, and I think, you know, we're talking about this, Laura, and there are people that they won't believe us. I think sometimes there are certain things that people just need to learn on their own, but it's like, it's soon, when you make it, it does not 
like there is no magical there. <laughs> that's, that's, all, that's all I can say. And maybe people will believe us. Maybe they won't. Maybe they need to learn. But I even heard it from one of my mentors. She said she cried so hard when she crossed the seven-figure line. Because even to the last, even to that moment, she had heard people say, it's no different. It's no better over here versus there. And she was just yet holding out hope that once she crossed the seven-figure line, that magical place would appear. So not to be a Debbie Downer about things, but I think I think it will help people to just like calm down and not put some of that frantic energy behind building their business. What do you think? Yeah, that's what I like about the idea that our real self is enough right now. And like what I see, I think as my practice, my coaching practice has grown and the clients that have come along with me have grown they start making some serious money or they start achieving their like consistency that they think they needed. Right. Mm-hmm. As they start getting that, they start like making some more real money. That thing I hear along with, I should be better at this by now, or I should be past this by now. Right. Like that theme, the other theme is like, Oh shit, I got to get my shit together. Like I got to stop winging it or I have to get more serious or I have to get more professional. Right. And it's like, that's where I really want them to see that they've created this being who they are and they don't have to change who they are. They don't have to change the essential aspect of who they are and like repress it or polish it or like they can wear a suit if they want to, they can buy different clothes if they want to, right? It's not a problem, but they don't have to in order to be worthy of the next thing, Mm. right? Mm-hmm. And there's so many coaches who get to, I feel like they get around this hundred K place and it's like something breaks in their brain where they think like, oh crap, now I have to, it's like with scaling and launches and all this like serious stuff starts happening and they <laughs> think they have to get serious. And I'm sorry, but like, I can be a very serious person. You know, if you want to start talking about like the history of women in the United States, like or injustice or equity or anything, you know, we can get very serious very quickly, but I'm not a serious person per se. I'm a goofy person. You know what I mean? And I want to keep that forever. Right. Yeah. I'm glad you're bringing up that topic of like changing who or what you think, who you think you need to be in order to go to the next level. And if anything, it's like, who are you really helps you get to the next level? I've seen this so often. And maybe you've seen this too, like the people that look like they just quote unquote blow up in a short period of time. People are like, oh, they changed. And I'm like, actually, it looks like they took off all of the crap and just showed you who they really were. And that, my friends, is magnetic and sexy AF. Yes. I mean, Simone's a great example of that. I just think Simone was working for years and she just kept on letting the weird out more and more, which was her inner weird, right? Her inner brilliant weird. And it's just who she is. She does not hide it. She just keeps on like peeling back the layers and there's just more weird under there. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I mean, it started with the glasses and it just goes from there. But like, it's who she truly is. Yeah. I mean, I think there's this notion of what 
you even said it before of what professional means or what it looks like, what it has to be, what a millionaire or a multiple six figure earner means or what it looks like. And I think one of the lessons here is just like it can look like whatever you want it to look like and it will be so much less painful. Like the work is still the work, but it won't hurt so bad if you're not doing the work trying to be somebody that you're not. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's like, it's a lot harder when you're trying to be somebody you're not. Cause it's like, it's almost like if you're living a lie, if you were like, pretend, like literally, I don't know if you've seen Inventing Anna, but if you were like literally trying to pretend to be a German heiress and you weren't, you'd have to like, oh crap, now I've got to go get my phone and put that filter on and pretend to be my business manager in in Berlin right now, right? Like you'd have to keeping up the charade and that takes way more energy than just being you, right? Like how cool that she wanted to create that art thing that was wonderful. Sorry, I just totally spoiled Inventing Anna for everybody. So sorry, everybody. <laughs> Don't listen to this podcast. You're going to have to put all kinds of like warnings now on the oh. show. Notes. But anyway, <laughs> oopsies. But like, it's way harder to try to keep track of who you're trying to be than to just be you. Right? So I'm I'm like, I'm... <laughs> still in, again, still in that process and people don't believe it's like, I'm still working on that, which is not a problem, but I'm like, okay, how do people, somebody's listening to this and they're like, okay, I'm picking up what you're putting down. I can maybe (laughs) get on board with the possibility or the potential of this. How do I even start to do that? Because I'll say for you, one of my friends that I told you about, like, they're going to talk shit about me. That's just one that I carry along with me all the time. And I have worked a lot to just let me tiptoe out there a little bit and see what happens. Let me let the worst, what I think is the worst thing happen and hold myself and realize, oh, okay, I'm I'm okay, right? So when people start to do this work for themselves, like how would you recommend they start? Yeah, I love that. I love that question so much. Thank you for asking that question. I think there's, a couple of things. One is what you said, the 1%, the tiptoeing. You don't have to like go whole hog and run naked in the streets and scream, this is who I am. And these are all of my tattoos and all of their locations and all of their meetings and why, right? You don't have to do that, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. It's not necessary. You can do a little bit and then you can hold yourself, right? So like just moving the needle a teeny tiny bit And then being gentle with yourself and know and celebrate and honor that you're expressing your truth. And I had to start with, what do I want? I had no idea, right? It took me at least a year to figure out this authenticity thing. It's like, I don't know. And so even that, just like really noticing your preferences and just what you really desire. And it can be really simple. Like you can just really pay attention to and acknowledge your preferences and your desires and just start to I like to think of like um, embers in a fire and just like growing and blowing on that. I don't know. I'm pyromaniac apparently. Like I just love fire <laughs> in fireplaces and safety first and all those things. Right. But like, <laughs> right. Just like growing that and starting with just noticing and paying attention to what you desire and speaking your truth, just like, I don't want to watch that TV show. I want to watch this TV show and just like simple things in relationships and all of that good stuff. But then you don't have to go huge and big and giant. You can just take it one step at a time and then hold on to yourself and have 
tons of gentleness and acknowledgement that it's scary. It's scary when we put ourselves out on platters and say to people, do you still love me? That's basically what we do when we market, when we coach, when we put an offer out there, not when we coach, sorry, but when we market ourselves as coaches, right? And that's scary as can be for our beautiful friends in our brain here. They don't like that at all, you know? Yeah. And so it doesn't have to be huge. It can be little and it's a practice. It's a continual practice. So if the listeners are people who do anything like yoga or exercise or meditation or walking or whatever it is, it's just like that. You keep on doing that. This is the same thing. It's just, it's exercising that muscle. Yeah. I think the theme so far from some of the podcasts from this month is just space and grace and compassion and gentleness. And it can be very, very, very challenging when raised in a society that awards the hustle. And yeah, and that was the other thing I wanted to say is the millionaire thing. It's like, it's also, when I think of a millionaire to this day, I think of a white man. And it's like, I have some of that internalized patriarchy and racism and the idea that I think that I have to change who I am and stop being so shiny object, fire hose Laura, whose brain goes a million miles a minute and I can barely keep up, right? Let alone be able to communicate and articulate the magic to other people. And I think of people I don't even admire and respect when I think of millionaires. It makes sense that I think I have to change myself. Totally makes sense. 100%. So having that gentleness and then compassion and understanding that best friend brain is confused as can be. Mm -hmm. And I can work on practicing this idea that I don't need to change a thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And the power is in showing up as who I really am. And I do think it's magnetic and compelling and sexy. I think people can smell authenticity a mile away. I was a high school history teacher for years and you go in there and try and bullshit them and they can smell it. They're like, yeah, we're done. We're done here. Right. I mean, you don't last five minutes. If you can't entertain and look them in the eye and make it meaningful to them, which is what I did. And I did extremely well. Right. Mm -hmm. If you can't do that, you're just not a good teacher. I'm sorry. Get out. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I think this is going to help a lot, a lot of people, Laura. So thank you so, so much for being willing to come and just share the real raw thoughts. And I would love to, before I ask you my last question, if you could tell everyone where they can find you, follow you, learn from you. Thank you so much for having me. I love that you're doing this so much. And I'm just so honored to be talking to you. So thank you for what you're doing. LauraScout.com is my website. And on the socials, as the young people say, but they probably don't anymore, on Instagram and Facebook, I'm at Laura Scout Coaching. So awesome. thank you so much. Yeah, awesome. Thought. So what would be one piece of advice that you would give to younger Laura as she was starting her entrepreneurial mm. journey? Such a good question. I think just soak it all up. Like just, I think the my word of the year this year is play. Mm -hmm. And I think that if, yeah, if I could give her advice and sit her down way back, 
hundred years ago. I'm in my rocking chair. I'm rocking, telling the tale in August, 2018, when I went for my certification last in-person cohort, as far as I know, I think I would say play, just feel free along the way to play more. Love that. Love that. Thank you. Thank you so much, Laura. And I will talk to you soon. Okay. Sounds wonderful. And if you want to continue the conversation with us, join our private community at TavanaDenise.com forward slash join. This is your place to get real, get honest, and share what's on your mind and heart as a woman building a business online. I can't wait to meet you on the inside.